morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We do welcome you back to our series entitled DNA, Who We Are. So in these first couple of weeks, we've looked at what DNA is and what it does. Certainly, it contains that hereditary material, the genes that are needed, a lot of which makes us the same or unique. Take a look around and see some unique people, right? Take a look towards the platform and see a unique person. We are individual. We are unique. And there is DNA in us that creates us that way. Well, in our study, in our series, we're looking at who we are as a church body, Alger Assembly of God. Certainly, as we mentioned, we are a part of the Assemblies of God. We're one of nearly 300 Assemblies of God churches in the state of Ohio, one of about 13,000 Assemblies of God churches in the United States. And when you add everybody up together worldwide, there's somewhere between 65 and 70 million people that worship on a regular basis at an Assemblies of God church. So we began looking at a vision statement, and we've uh, repeated this each of the last couple of weeks. We've said we are committed to helping people to belong to a family, believe in Jesus, become a disciple, and build his kingdom. All biblical thoughts and scriptures grounded in scripture about what are we to do as a church. And we believe as a vision statement, that's what we are to seek. Last week, we took a look at some core values, a little bit of the guidelines, a little bit of the guardrails as we're seeking to accomplish this vision statement, as we're seeking to be faithful to follow the word of God. What are some of those values that point us and guide us and direct us? So if you missed either of those, certainly on Facebook, on our YouTube channel, we've got those there for you. But I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. So we take a look in the New Testament at the early church. Some of how the early church operated gives some great guidelines on purposes and strategies and how to live out what God has called us to do. So as we take a look at Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, we read this. They, meaning the disciples, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's an exciting time as we see the early church begin to live out what God is calling them to do, what Jesus Christ had set as the example. And so we see a handful of some purposes and some strategies we'll unpack over these next number of weeks. But we're looking today at the thought or concept or topic of connecting. What we see is that the Acts 2 church, they devoted themselves to connecting to one another, connecting themselves to the Lord and connecting themselves as they met together. Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Verse 44 says they had everything in common. Verse 46 says they broke bread together in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Someone put it like this. They said, a church isn't a building you go to. 
It's a family you belong to. Everyone's desiring to connect and to belong to something. And so we believe outdoor assembly of God, certainly we can study together, grow together, love one another, serve together. It was interesting, a number of years ago, TV Guide came out with what they came up with as the best 50 television shows of all time. So it's a number of years ago, so in the last few years, they did not count those. So I want, in your mind, I want you to get your favorite television show. It could be from the last couple of years. It could be from a couple decades ago. For some of you, it might be many years ago. And on the count of three, I want you to shout it out. Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. All right, I didn't hear any of that. Let's see if it made the list. So TV Guide came up with the top 50. We're not going to go through all 50, but here, here are their top five. See if any of them line up with you. They said number five was The Sopranos, a complex drama built around a thinking man's mobster who struggles with two families, his wife and kids, and his gun-toting gang. Interesting selection. Number four, they said, was All in the Family. It's about a family with all of its dysfunction and how they related to and interacted with one another. Number three, TV guys said, was The Honeymooners. Some of these are going back a ways, right? About two couples, the Cramdens and the Nortons, living in the same apartment building and sharing life. Number two, they said, TV guide, they said, was I Love Lucy. Very similar premise to The Honeymooners about two couples sharing their lives and wacky adventures. And number one, according to TV Guide, top TV show of all time, Seinfeld. Four neurotic New Yorkers with quirky takes on the seemingly mundane events of everyday life. Now, your favorite show might have been in there. Chances are it might not have been. But if you notice, they all seem to have a little bit of a similar theme, right? It's all about people connecting with one another. There's something inside of us. We like to connect, and it resonates. These, these shows have resonated with the American public. And there's this need to kind of know and be known to connect one with another. We need other people in our lives to help us become what God desires us to be. So we're going to look at a handful of ways that I think we can connect one with another. First of all, I believe we can walk with others. Walk one with another. In Colossians 2 verse 6, it says, As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. Walk in Him. The Bible often compares our life to a walk. It's a journey. It's a process, right? It's maybe not always a sprint, probably more of a marathon than a sprint. But we don't simply sit still. We're not where we used to be. Praise God for that. We're not where we used to be. We're not who we used to be. But we're not yet all that we ought to be. And so it's a process. It's a daily walk with Christ. 
Many places in the New Testament tells us to walk in wisdom, walk in love, walk in light. Here in Colossians, as we've received Jesus Christ, our Lord, walk in him. And part of that walk, the encouragement is we're, we're not to walk alone. Now, I know some of you in here, you might be like, well, I prefer it that way. I don't want anybody around me. I just like to be by myself. There, there might be some takers on that, right? I mean, those people, they, other people, they just slow me down. I, I want to do my own thing. I go at my own pace. I don't, I don't have to wait for anybody. You just take off, right? Walking with others is helpful. It's helpful because it's safer, a little bit less risky when you walk with others. Ever walk by yourself in maybe an unfamiliar place? Whether it's Alger, Ada, Kenton, Lima, Columbus, some other state, some other city. Ever been by yourself and then you kind of look around and you think, whew, I'm alone. And whether it's bright daytime or whether it's dark in the evening and you can't see anybody around you, there's sometimes a little bit of that fear when you're by yourself. Walking with others, connecting with others is safer. It's, it's also supportive. We can help and encourage and connect one with another to keep them from giving up. Walking with one another gives that energy sometimes to keep going. Uh, there's a, an old Zambian proverb I thought was interesting. It reads like this. When you run alone, you run fast. But when you run together, you run far. I like that. I mean, when you're by yourself, you're not waiting on anybody to slow you down. And whew, you just take off, right? You run fast. But when you've got somebody with you, strengthening and encouraging and walking right beside you, you can run far. So it's safer, it's more supportive and Walking with someone is often smarter. Have you ever stopped to think, maybe I don't know it all? Has that ever crossed anybody's minds? Every so often, right, that, that bounces around because we feel pretty good about ourselves. But chances are we can learn from somebody else. Friend, family, co-worker, neighbor, classmate. I mean, we can learn, we can grow as we walk together. Proverbs 28, 26 says, Only fools trust in what they alone think. Other scripture in Proverbs says that in a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom, there is safety. Now, we might have some really great insight and great ideas, but it's helpful to have other people around us. Connecting one to another, it's God's answer to loneliness. We all have that longing belong from the very beginning right genesis 2 verse 18 as god created adam he said it's not good for man to be alone now we've got a couple different families we might talk about you might talk about a physical family that's the one that you were born into and perhaps grew up into and the spiritual family that body of believers the body of christ that we have the rest of our lives, even into eternity. 
Many times a physical family moves apart and it doesn't always continue. Physical family, the Andreasens, we are scattered. We're here in Ohio. I've got my mom and one of my siblings in Springfield, Missouri. My oldest sibling is in Atlanta, Georgia. My next oldest sibling is in the Denver, Colorado area. And my fourth sibling is in Illinois. I mean, we, we, got, we got a bunch of states covered. So sometimes in the physical family, things happen and we move apart. In the spiritual family, the body of Christ, the believers, that opportunity, that connection is able to continue. God desires that we would be connected, walking together, one with another. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Let us not forsake the assembling or the gathering together, the, the habit of meeting together, as some versions might say. But instead, let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Gather together, join together, connect together, walk one with another. It's a way that we can connect. Second, not only can we walk one with another, we can work with others. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, God created us to do good works, which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. Many times on earth as we live our lives, it's possible to get tired, to get worn out, to get burned out. And typically, it's because we do something that we as humans often do, and we try to do everything ourselves. That happens, right? You've never done it, though, right? You've never done it. We often will try to do that. We try to do so much ourselves, and yet God said he's not created us to do it all on our own. Not, not developed and designed us to walk by ourselves, to work by ourselves. In fact, in Ecclesiastes 4.9, he says, two are better than one. They get more done by working together. And that can be the challenge because, again, as we referenced before, many people say, hey, I just want to go. And the encouragement is to work together. Someone once said that snowflakes are frail. But if enough of them stick together, they can stop traffic. Some of you are hoping for that when it comes to school. No, no snow quite yet. It's not, not quite cold enough. I mean, that tiny little snowflake, there's not much to it. But man, you put it together in a snowstorm, and it stops streets, and schools and businesses shut down as they work together. You might think, man, me by myself? What kind of a difference can I make? What kind of an impact can one person make? Maybe you've thought that. But imagine if you partner with somebody else. Imagine if you partner with a handful of other people. Imagine if we partner together as a church, what kind of an impact we can have in Alger, in our surrounding communities, and literally across the world. As we've mentioned, we're able to support close to 30 different missionaries around the world. 
How many of you by yourself are able to fund nearly 30 different missionaries from Chi Alpha ministering in college campuses to U.S. missionaries to world missionaries all across this globe? Supporting 30 different, nearly 30 different missionaries every single month. By one person, man, that is a huge task not able to be done. But even in our church, our body working together, we're able to do that. To make a difference, not just in the immediate area, but around the world. Everybody working together can make a difference. Connecting one with another, working together, it's God's answer for fatigue. Because we can get tired, we can get fatigued, and so working together helps one another. Now here in Ohio, we do have Amish country. How many of you have been to Amish country? Certainly there's some in the immediate area, in our immediate county, but not that far away in Ohio, Amish country. Maybe you've seen it with your own eyes. Maybe television or in a movie, you've seen an Amish barn raising, right? Can one individual, can one family on their own raise a barn? Man, that's a mighty task. To think of all of the walls, to think of all of the beams and joists and everything that puts together in that roof, to have one family trying to do that, that would be difficult, right? So what do they do? They bring together the entire community, and literally in a day, there was nothing at the end of the day. They've got this structure put into place because everybody has a part to play. One can't do it. One family, maybe even a couple of families can't do it themselves. It takes people, their community working together. Scripture in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. This body of believers, this local church. It says, let us work for the benefit of all, working together, helping each one to move forward. It's part of how we're able to connect as the body of Christ is walking together, working together. Thirdly, we can watch out for one another. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, Look out for one another's interest, not just your own. Now, how many of you love your own interest? Hands raised. Okay, now, now let's be honest. Hands raised, right? We like our own interests. I mean, we're looking out for number one. We're looking out for me, myself, and I. That's just human nature, right? But who's going to help us, defend us, stand up for us, protect us, keep us on track, watch our back, and warn us? Listen, we all need some help because we all often have some blind spots. Blind spots. Things that you can't see. You know, whether somebody's kind of giving you a little nudge and like, a, you know, kind of, your fly's open. Or maybe they give you a little nudge and kind of point to your tooth and you're like, you know, you got some green stuff hanging in there. 
You ever had somebody help you out, letting you know something you weren't aware of? We need some help in that, looking out for and watching out for others. Now, not just in the United States, but in general, people are often about themselves. It's look out for self. In the workplace, in the workforce, hey, I got to move. I've got to advance. And if that means stepping on somebody to get there, that's what I'm going to do. That's many times what happens in the workplace. We can often be so focused on self. It's our needs, our interests, our wants, our desires, our ambitions. I mean, forget you. I don't need you. I just want to look at me and look out for myself. The scripture encourages us, don't just think about yourself. Look out for one another's interests. We can watch out one for another. Now, we've probably helped one another. Maybe some people have helped you, and maybe they look out for you. Maybe you're gone on a trip or on a vacation. Maybe you've had somebody watch your dog, watch your cat, watch your house come and just check and make sure, you know, nobody's broken in or something like that. You've had somebody watch out for you, and that's good, and that's helpful, because how many of you know we got to take care of those four-legged furry creatures? All right, I figured I'd get some amens there. Dogs or cats, I mean, you know, they're part of the family. So you want somebody to watch out for them, feed them, take care of them. You also, you want people to look out for that house or your apartment or whatever it is, wherever you live, you want people to check on your stuff. Listen, stuff's important. Pets are important. But you know what's even more important than stuff and pets? How about our very lives and souls? How about our relationship with God? That somebody would look out for and watch out for and encourage spiritually to grow in God. Someone who says, hey, don't get discouraged. Hey, I'm here with you. Let's walk through this challenge, this difficulty together. You can watch out for one another. Hebrews 13.1 says, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. Keep being. Don't just be concerned once, but let there be an ongoing process of continuously helping, continuously encouraging, continuously praying. Connecting one to another, it's, it's God's answer to defeat and discouragement. Again, in Ecclesiastes 4, this time verse 10, it says, If one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. Watching out for one another. Chances are we've all faced, gone through, experienced something we can't get control of. And so we need somebody to come alongside of and to watch out for and to encourage. In the body of Christ, we can help connect one with another as we walk with each other, work with each other, watch out for each other. And fourthly, to wait 
with one another. People to wait with us. Encourage us in the inevitable crisis and difficulty and struggle and tragedy of life. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will face troubles. We don't like that scripture. We know that God's word is true, and we stand upon God's word, and God's word is true, but that's the truth we would rather not stand upon, if we're being honest, right? We'd rather he would say, in this world, as a Christian, you'll never face hardship or difficulty. We'd say, sign me up. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have difficulty. You will face challenging situations. But Jesus said, take heart. Don't just stop there. Don't stop in the middle of the verse and say, oh, life's tough. Life's hard. He said, take heart. I've overcome the world. Not us, but he has. So we can turn to him for comfort and strength and encouragement. And we can walk with one another and wait with one another in the difficulties of life. We had prayer just a little bit ago before the message. And we saw many hands raised in this place about difficulties, physical and financial and relational and Need of encouragement and healing and provision and guidance and direction. We've gone through difficulties. We're going through difficulties. Or maybe we're about to head into a challenging time. We need one another to wait with us, to encourage us. Here's God's plan. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, he says, If one member suffers, all suffer together. In other words, we're all a part of the body of Christ. In, in that scripture and in that passage, as the New Testament talks about the body of Christ, there's a lot of different body parts. You know, if you have hit your nail with a, a hammer, you've stubbed your toe, you know, you're barefoot or you're wearing flip-flops and you stub your toe, it hurts. And that one tiny thing, that one little toe that hurts, man, doesn't it affect your entire body? You smash that one finger, I mean, you've got 10 of them, you smash one finger with a hammer and the whole rest of you feels terrible. You get an earache or, you know, your, your throat hurts. You get one thing wrong with one part of your body and the whole rest of your body feels it, right? And the encouragement here is in the body of Christ, when one struggles, suffers, needs encouragement, let the body of Christ step in to encourage I came across this story a while back. Apparently, uh, newspapers wrote an article about a man who had died at home in his bed, but nobody discovered it for two years. Two years. In other words, 
Apparently, there was nobody in that man's life that was connected to and walking through and working with and watching out for and waiting and, and helping walk through life. Somehow it went two years before somebody noticed. How tragic. How difficult. But it points to the fact that you and I need others in our lives. Connecting in the body of Christ, it's God's answer to despair. Similar to the 1 Corinthians scripture in chapter 12 is Romans chapter 12, verse 15. It says to be happy with those who are happy. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. Sometimes that can be a challenge for us. Because sometimes in the rejoicing, we're not quite sure how to rejoice because when somebody's rejoicing, sometimes we wish we had what they're rejoicing over. And so we struggle to rejoice when someone else rejoices. Well, man, I wish I had what they had. I'd be rejoicing too. So sometimes we struggle in the rejoicing aspect of things. And then sometimes in the weeping in the morning, we're not sure what to do. We're not sure what to say. So sometimes we struggle in the morning with those who mourn. The encouragement is to try to do both. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Wait with one another. Here's a great encouragement for us. It's a great reminder for all of us. We don't always have to feel like we need to fix everybody's problems. Sometimes, and particularly when people are going through some difficulties and discouragement, sometimes they need somebody to listen. Some heads are nodding. Because maybe you've gone through a difficulty and someone showed up with five simple steps to get out of your difficulty. And you're like, I just wanted somebody to hang out with me and kind of cry along with me and kind of sit with me and encourage me. So let's just relieve the pressure. Let's not feel like we've always got to have that magic bullet to make everything feel better. Obviously, we point people to Jesus, and obviously we turn to Jesus. But we don't always have to feel like we've got that word or that phrase. Sometimes it's just being there. Sometimes it's just spending time. Sometimes it's hanging out. Sometimes it's just sitting along in silence or mourning with those who mourn, weeping with those who weep. Sometimes when things get a little awkward, then we start talking, right? Because we don't do often, we don't do really well with silence or quiet. So maybe we, we step you know, we try to step in and encourage somebody and, and wait with somebody, and then there's a little bit of silence. And sometimes we try to fill the silence with words, and we start talking and start talking and start talking, and sometimes it's not always the most helpful. Sometimes the advice we give is not always the wisest. So certainly we point people to Jesus. We point people to the Word of God. But sometimes that also just means to sit with to encourage, to pray, to talk. Some practical ways of connect is making some time for 
relationships, putting the effort in, taking some interest in the lives of others. You go back to Acts chapter 2, and though it's not incredibly descriptive, we see a handful of things that the early disciples, the apostles, these early believers were doing to connect one with another. They're just trying to do life together. I think part of that for you and I, as we connect one with another, is that we can walk with one another, work with one another, watch out for one another. And wait with one another.